This is Ira Glass of This American Life, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. I'm PF, this is my tape recorder, and welcome to another installment of the history of synth pop. This is episode 9, and we're going to uh, take a trip over to Germany for episode 9. We've been concentrating mostly on the US and the UK. We've heard one German group, of course, way back uh, in the first or second episode. I'm not sure which it was now. Second episode, I believe it was. Uh, Kraftwerk, or if you want to be pretentious, Kraftwerk. And uh, kind of credited with starting the whole thing or having a big influence on all those who came after, certainly. And uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees, as a matter of fact. But uh, for episode 9, we're going to look at some of the German groups in the 80s because uh, those groups, of course, were influenced by Kraftwerk as well, but were also influenced in turn by the groups in Britain and the U.S. that were influenced by Kraftwerk. So it's kind of interesting. I decided to lump all these groups together because uh, not only are they all German, with one exception, we're going to hear a band from Norway at the very end. Gee, wonder who that is. Uh, but they all kind of know each other and kind of moved in the same circles for the most part. Uh, I, I would say one, two, like four of these groups are related because they all worked with each other. But uh, we're going to start with a group called Propaganda, who were formed in 1982. Uh, their lead singer is a woman named Claudia Bruken, and she later goes on to marry Paul Humphreys of Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. Doesn't last, though. He's married to a Lithuanian model now, who's quite a bit younger than him. Hmm, T. But anyway, uh, they worked for a while on a project called The One Two in the 2000s. But anyway, our first exposure to Claudia Bruken and Propaganda comes in 1982. Their big worldwide hit. Uh, this still reminds me of being in dance clubs in Cleveland. I don't, I don't know why Cleveland particularly, because I didn't go to many dance clubs in Cleveland. I went more in Pittsburgh, and well, I guess mostly just Pittsburgh. Now that I think about it, and, and college in Bowling Green. But this always reminds me of a dance club in Cleveland because they played it a lot there. It's a song called P Machinery. P-Machinery propaganda, it's typified at the time as industrial music, but it's really not the industrial music you're thinking of. It's going to be like Nine Inch Nails and people like that down the road. Uh, it just is, I guess, is more rhythm-heavy. Uh, it, it, very keyboardy still, but more rhythm-heavy. Another group called SPK uh, has a lot of success in their native German anyway with this kind of a sound. Uh, a name of a group I can't pronounce, only my friend Bree, who is a big German file 
can um, pronounce this uh, that I know of. Einstrabende Nubaten. I'm probably completely mispronouncing it, but you probably know who I mean if you can uh, get through my broken, struggling German there. So anyway, uh, Propaganda have a big hit, of course, with that tune, a, a big worldwide dance. They also catch the attention of um, Zangtang Tum Chief Trevor Horn, who we know from the Buggles. And he, they end up on his record label in Britain, uh, also the same record label of Frankie Goes to Hollywood. But anyway, uh, another group forms in 1982, but don't have a lot of worldwide success and exposure until 1984. They're called Alphaville. They're a trio from Munster, which is in the Westphalia part of which I believe is actually in the north of Germany. Uh, I'm not sure of my German geography, but Alphaville are a trio, like I said. Uh, they released an album called Forever Young, and it's got some really good tunes on it. And I don't know if you're familiar with um, a mag- it was a magazine, and it was also a book. It's called The Trouser Press. It was a magazine in the 80s. Uh, they released a book in the late 80s and early 90s, a couple editions called The Trouser Press. It was a compilation of every single review they ever did, plus they wrote ones just for the book. In other words, it was supposed to cover the whole uh, punk, post-punk era uh, of album reviews. And I mentioned that because they hate <laughs> absolutely hate them so if you can find the trouser press or maybe it might even be on the internet just type trouser press alphaville and you're in for a hoot uh hated these guys but these guys are really good they have a, a big signature song that weirdly it's pretty well known but it was never a hit anywhere i don't even think it was a hit in germany the, the title track forever young and um it gets to 65 here after being released three times uh doesn't chart in the uk i think barely charts in germany and the rest of europe we're going to hear their big uh first single though which does do well it's their only top 20 hit in the uk does not chart in the u.s gets some mtv airplay uh gets played on friday night videos and it's a good tune man it's called big in japan So Big in Japan, actually, uh, you may know there's a group, speaking of Frankie Goes to Hollywood, we mentioned earlier, uh, the several members of Frankie Goes to Hollywood were in a group called Big in Japan from Liverpool. The song Big in Japan takes its name from that group. It's not about the group, but Marion Gold, uh, the, one of the members of Alphaville, just liked the name of the group, and he figured that'd be a good title for a song. And there you have it. It all comes full circle, doesn't it, kids? So Alphaville do pretty well. They release a couple more albums. They're still together. Uh, one of the guys left. The two of the original guys were, were in the group, and I think they might have re-added a third guy. So they're, they're still you know, banging along. 
as it were. But yeah, there are uh, heyday, of course, is with the, uh, well, I'd say the two albums, Afternoons and Utopia Follows, Forever Young. And then The Breathtaking Blue in 1989 is okay. It has a couple of good tunes on it. And uh, then we kind of lose track of them. Another group forms in 1982, doesn't have much exposure until 1985. They do in their native Germany. They have a hit single, which I can't pronounce, so uh, we will skip that, and we will go to 1985, where they get some North American exposure. They wind up on the soundtrack of a film called Gotcha with Anthony Edwards. Don't know if it rings a bell. But they, uh, I remember they got a song on there because the record label is doing the soundtrack. So as is common in the 80s, instead of doing songs that really go with the movie, it becomes kind of a garage sale for the record label to kind of pawn off all these bands they can't promote or otherwise on it. But uh, Hubert Cog got a spot with this song called Angel 07. Angel 07 from Hubert Ka. This guy's still banging around. And here's where we start to get into the kind of the uh, incestuous relationships of the bands of Germany. You may uh, think that song sounds kind of familiar, has kind of the same progression as another famous German guy who had a big hit record in this country called uh, Major Tom Coming Home, a fellow named Peter Schilling. And you would be correct. And Peter Schilling uh, will work with Hubert Ka, uh, Hubert Ka's Hubert Kemmler. Uh, that's who the group is named for. And uh, I'm not going to play Major Tom because you're well familiar with that. But in 1989, Peter Schilling has another big hit. I think this gets into the Hot 100 here in the U.S. It's a big hit elsewhere in the world. I guess it's probably a second biggest hit ever. And I... I've looked this up, and I still can't confirm this. I'm, I, I believe Peter Schilling sings the beginning of the song. I'm almost positive that Hubert Kemmler from Hubert Ka sings the chorus of the song, because I don't think Peter Schilling can sing like this, but here, you can have a go with this. Uh, this is called The World of Lust and Crime.
different story, the world of lust and crime, Peter Schilling being helped out by Hubert Ka, and another a famous German singer, her name is Sandra, she is on this, she uh, will get mixed up with our next band, Enigma, and Enigma is uh, Michael Cretu, the guy that produces Peter Schilling and Hubert Ka, he kind of goes in a more of a, uh, you might remember this from the 90s, uh, Gregorian chants, he starts sampling those, and people get all into this, and then after about an hour or so, they're fed up with the Gregorian chants, but he continues on and releases a second album, is still kind of new agey and ethereal, but it's not, no, no more Gregorian chants, but this was the big tune from them, it's called Sadness, and here's a little blast of that. Enigma, like I said, it's Michael Cretu who produced Peter Schilling and Hubert Kai. He kind of branches off and goes more new agey. A lot of people did this. Thompson Twins formed a whole new group called Babel. Uh, they dropped the Thompson Twins name. It was still the two, Tom Bailey and Lana Curry, uh, before they divorced and went their separate ways. But theirs, too, was it's very new agey, very un-Thompson Twinny. Uh, the Patrick O'Hearn from Missing Persons uh, here in the United States, you may know him more as a new age type of guy. He was the keyboardist, like I said, in Missing Persons, but he's had a much, much bigger career making new age music. But we're going to go back to Germany, another trio. Uh, Camouflage formed in 1983, also very influenced by Kraftwerk, so much so they call their, the first name of the band is Kling Klang, which I believe is a either a Kraftwerk song or part of a Kraftwerk song. It's a, I think it might be a line from a Kraftwerk song. They changed their name to Camouflage later on, and they have a big hit in 1987 called The Great Commandment, which, and a lot of groups have this problem at this point, uh, not only German groups, but we discussed last week in the United States, um, Cause and Effect have this problem, and Red Flag have this problem. People are convinced this is the new Depeche Mode album, and you can't tell them otherwise. I worked in a record store at the time. Are you sure this isn't the new Depeche Mode? Yes, I'm sure. This is Camouflage, The Great Commandment. Read 
Commander from Camouflage. This is a great album. The really the best song on the album though is uh, that smiling face. It's kind of a slower tune, and uh, it's still I think it's become their signature tune, even though it's their biggest hit. If a song called Neighbors that kind of bothers the charts in the UK, I think it gets into the top twenty. Uh, great Commandment, I don't think charts there, but Neighbors does a little bit. And uh, this is a fine album. They release another album after this. Has a great tune called Love Is a Shield. And then again, we kind of lose uh, track of these guys. I believe they're still together though. They're still touring and still out and about. And, uh, well, that is our little tour of Germany there for uh, the epi- episode 9 of the history of synth pop. You can kind of see, uh, like I said, there is kind of a certain sound, and it isn't as craft-worky as some of the early English bands. It's kind of unusual, considering these bands all come from Germany, uh, although they do kind of have a, a certain similar sound in that they're all in Germany in the 1980s at the same time. It's so kind of interesting. I uh, did want to mention uh, this band from Norway, and the reason I mentioned them is because they have a hit in 1985, a worldwide smash hit, and it is, of course, called Take On Me. Uh, they have to record it a couple of times before they get it perfect, and it becomes the sensation that it is. It's helped along by, uh, at the time, a groundbreaking video, which is something called a rotoscope, which kind of animates them. And while the video is groundbreaking, uh, the song, I think I, I'm pretty sure I heard the song before I even saw the video, and I knew immediately this was something special. And it was a case of, like, you know, sometimes, you, you know, songs come out, and especially back then in the 80s, I was a bit of a music snob, but uh, I rooted this sucker right up the chart, man. I was happy for these boys that they got to number one. And apparently, um, I have the album, Hunting High and Low, the, the other singles from this you might know are Train of Thought and The Sun Always Shines on TV which are good tunes, and after this, I kind of know a little bit. Friend of the show, Jimmy Pardo, went on a huge aha deep dive a couple of years ago and listened to like all the albums after, and he said, they're all really great. So if you have a notion, certainly do a deep dive, not only on Hunting High and Low, the album that you know produces Take On Me, but also uh, you know the rest of their catalog. Also, Take On Me, one of those songs I just don't think has ever been covered properly. Uh, Pitbull and, uh, what's her name, the gal from, uh, Keisha, gal from Nashville sampled it for, uh, not sampled it, but I kind of borrowed the riff for there. So, and it's fine. I mean, I like both of those guys, but I, it's it's not great. The Weezer version is really, really good. That's probably the closest we've come into a, a really good cover of this. There's a Ska version by Real Big Fish, and I still like Ska. A lot of people are mad at Ska. That's another one. Remember people were really into Ska, and then they weren't, and they hated it? <laughs> and Swing. People loved Swing, and then they hated it. But anyway, I like still like Ska, and I love a good Ska cover. And the take on me one's fine, but this song has never been properly covered. I don't know why people just can't hit it. I guess it's a great song. It's a great record, so it's probably hard to top from that aspect. But we will uh, we will go out, at least on the um, retrospective part of the show, before we get to the song of the week, with AHA's Take On Me, probably one of the greatest keyboard riffs ever written. Here you go, kids.
Take On Me, a song I just will never tire of, even though you hear it a lot everywhere, music and stores, it doesn't matter. If it comes on, I'm a happy, I'm a happy man. So we've arrived at the song of the week, which features a guy from uh, kind of the era we're talking about, and a guy that he can get keyboardy. He doesn't usually get real keyboardy with his band, The Cure, but it's Robert Smith. He's working with a guy uh, from Gorillaz, uh, uh, Damon Auburn. And uh, it's a new project they're doing under Gorillaz where they're working with all these different people, kind of similar to what Vince Clark did, who we'll discuss next week, by the way. See what he's up to in episode 10 after leaving Depeche Mode and leaving Yaz. Uh, but anyway, it was a similar to what project he was going to do in the 80s, was uh, do a song with different lead singers. And a lot of people have this idea, and Gorillaz have actually followed through with it and have actually completed the album. Um, they've got Hooky from New Order, and um, subsequently, what, what The Light is his new band. And my wife hates when I call him Hooky, so I'm going to keep calling him Hooky for the rest of this episode. Uh, it's a good tune. But uh, I chose this one for the song of the week. It's it's very Robert Smithy. You can tell he wrote the part he sings. Uh, the song is called Strange Times with a Z. I guess Damon Auburn was like, you can call it Strange Times, but we're going to put a Z on it, you know, because of gorillas with a with a Z, as they say. But uh, this really gets very earwormy in a strange way. I like it a lot. Uh, this is going to be our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder Gorillas featuring Robert Smith's Strange Times. So long and thanks for listening. Spin around the world, like love. 